Good morning. It's a privilege to stand before you. Ellen and I have been blessed with uh, watching this church grow. Uh, Mark and Leslie took off from St. Louis with Ella being how many weeks old, Ellen? Just a few. And uh, it's been a blessing for us to come up over the years and to see how God has blessed this church. So I hope you sense that in this congregation, the good work that he's doing here. And I pray that you guys are blessed by that as well. We have a special Christmas that our whole, our whole family is together. Uh, Jennifer and our grandsons from California are here with Leslie, and we got Mark's brother, and we got a friend down. We got 12 of us at the Milikoff Hotel. Uh, and last night, Nerf guns were passed out, and I've been, I've been threatened by Mark's brother for a Nerf gun attack during my preaching, so if it, the guy wearing the blue shirt, if things start to go crazy. <clears throat> well, and I, I want to thank you too, as well as seeing this church grow, thank you for taking such good care of Leslie and Mark. Uh, you guys have been a great blessing to them. We see your hand at work in their lives in so many ways, and just the small ways and the large ways that you bless them. So as parents, you'd love to see your kids taken care of, and uh, you guys are taking good care of our kids, and we thank you for that so much. Well, a couple of weeks ago, my wife Ellen and I pulled out one of our favorite movies to watch again. I don't know if you're familiar with it. The movie is Dave. I don't know if any of you remember that movie, but it's a story of a really good guy who looks exactly like the president, and he gets the chance to serve briefly as a stand-in for the president when the president has a stroke. And the scene that came to mind as I was preparing the sermon is just a, a short one, and it's not really essential to the movie. Uh, but if you've seen the movie, it's a scene in the White House, and there's a tour going on in the White House, and there's a tour guide walking through the halls of the White House, and she's got maybe 15 or 20 people with her, and she's saying, she's trying to keep the group up with you now, she's saying, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. So she's trying to guide him through, and that scene came to mind since I'd like us to consider our passage for this morning uh, in the context of walking. Our passage is Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and let me read the passage, and out of respect for God's word, would you please stand as I read his word? It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Please be seated. Before we think about walking, I'd like us to note Paul's love for the church. It says in verse 9, it says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. You know, I think next to Christ, I think the church the body of Christ, was Paul's first love. And I think he saw the church as a person. You know, the Bible uses person terms when it talks about the church. They are what? The bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Person terms are used when it talks about the church. And the church is like a person. It can be built up, it can be encouraged, and it can also be torn down. And, and not encouraged. So as I, I thought about that, when you think about Grace Presbyterian, be like Paul. Think of your church as a person, a person who you can build up. And I would just encourage you in word and deed to build up this congregation, to love this church. Think of Grace Presbyterian as a person. 
and what you do affects this person. Well, on to walking. Often around the first of the new year, we reflect on where we've been the past year and where we'd like to head in the year to come. You know, we might think of 2016 essentially as a walk, which we're about to undertake. And a walk usually starts with what? Starts with choosing where you want to go. You know, when Ellen and I walk the first, and we don't do it that often, she's trying to get me to walk more with her now, but when we do, the first question is, okay, where should we go? You know, where should we head? What direction are we going? And for a Christian, knowing where to walk is a matter of knowing God's will. The direction we want to head ahead is God's will, and Paul prays what? He said that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. First thing is to note that the knowledge of God's will is what? It's spiritual in nature. It comes with God-given spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, we may find some direction from secular sources in life, but God's will is higher, God's will is better, and the spiritual wisdom and understanding that accompany it are usually provided by His Word, the Bible, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the starting point for knowing God's will and obtaining spiritual wisdom and understanding is where Paul started. He what? He prayed. The starting point is prayer for knowing God's will. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the understanding of his will. You know, things happen when we pray. If you look at the verses in Scripture about prayer, prayer is not just some nebulous feel-good thing. When you look at the Scriptures about prayer, you can see expected answers. We can expect answers to prayer. God promises to answer prayer. It's not just a spiritual exercise. God expects to answer prayer. He's ordained prayer to cause things to happen, and he gets the glory when it does. So Paul started in prayer. He said, we pray for you. We pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God. And as we come to know his will and to receive spiritual wisdom and understanding in answer to prayer, we see that our response is an action. What does it say next? After that happens, it says what? So as to walk. We're walking. We're walking. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know, the knowledge of God will, God's will should result in our doing something. You know, it's an action that we need to take once that, we, once that we know his will. And walking according to God's will results in that spiritual wisdom and understanding, and it results in walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? It probably means a lot of things. What occurred to me is it really would mean walking as Jesus walked. You know, when we think of doing God's will, what was, what was Jesus' role in life? What was the chief thing that he wanted to do? He wanted to do God's will, right? He wanted to do the Father's will. He wanted to glorify the Father. You know, he wanted to do God's will. That was the main thing that he was doing. So as we walk in God's will, we can walk as Jesus walked. We'll be walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. We'll be showing our allegiance to him. We'll be honoring him as we imitate his walk. And all that we do, we do with the intent of what? bringing God glory. God gets the glory. What I've learned recently, it's interesting. I think sometimes as Christians, we're afraid to be blessed. You know, we read the hard passages in scripture, you know, the suffering, the trials, and we understand that they come with life. But I think sometimes we're reluctant to be blessed. And what's come to me in these past few years, it's interesting that if we're in a position where God is honored by what we're doing, when he is honored and when he is glorified, there's often a blessing in there. A blessing for us, and that's okay. 
That's good. As long as he gets the glory and he gets the honor, for us to kind of ride on the coattails and get the blessing is good. You know, we can be happy and we can be pleased about being blessed. Well, as we walk in, as we walk in God's will in a manner worthy of the Lord, we bring God pleasure. <clears throat> it says what? We are fully pleasing to him. What an amazing thought. The creator of the universe and we, you, me, we are pleasing to him, not just pleasing, but fully pleasing to him as we walk in, the, walk in his will. You know, all of us have different experiences probably with regards to our earthly fathers, probably some good, some bad. But I think in general, and I'm thinking about my experience, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad, but I think one thing I experienced, and maybe we all do in terms of a father, is that yearning to please your father, the yearning to know that he's pleased and to understand his pleasure, and to have that pleasure expressed to you. You know, it says when we walk in his will, when we're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, we are what? We are fully pleasing to him. What an amazing thought to be fully pleasing to Father, the God in the universe. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord also bears fruit in connection with the good works God has for us. Good things happen. Good things happen when we're walking in his will. You know, isn't that something you desire? What do we all desire in life? I think one of the things is what? Isn't it to have a meaningful life? Isn't it to do good things? I mean, isn't that what we want to do? You know, and the opportunity is here as we do God's will, you know, we're going to be doing good things. Good things are going to happen. And I think that's one of the most, the greatest joys in life is to have a life that's meaningful. I mean, as you hear a lot about our current culture, isn't that one of the things you hear about? People are looking for what? They're looking for a meaningful life. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing God. It comes from doing his will, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to him. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Well, as we're filled with the knowledge of God's will and we walk in that, it says what? It says we increase in the knowledge of God. You know, what a blessing. His desires and his character become clearer. You better understand his ways. You enjoy a deeper, fuller relationship with him. You increase in the knowledge of God. What an amazing blessing as we walk in his will. In addition to walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, uh, if I may, I'd like to share a couple of other walking verses that kind of tie in with the message this morning. And these are somewhat personal to me, but I hope you'll see how they fit, and maybe you can latch on to them as well for yourself. And it talks about, you know, how we walk. One is Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we've got another walking verse here. And you can kind of see the connection with today's passage. It says in today's passage, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord causes us to what? Bear fruit in every good work. And here it speaks of good works prepared by God for us to walk in. So when you couple the two, you know, we can expect the good works that God has for us to bear fruit. As we walk in those good works, we're going to bear fruit. From a personal standpoint, I uh, retired back in 2012 after 30 years in the engineering world and 11 years on our church staff. And you know, when you enter into retirement, it's a, it's a different deal. You know, when you've gone to the office every day for 40-something years, or I'm shaking his head up and down here, it's a different deal. So I was really seeking the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, what do you want this season of my life to look like? You know, it's a different season, but it's got a lot of opportunity. You know, I've got time. You know, what, is it, what do you want it to look like? 
So as I was praying about that, it was Ephesians 2.10 that was essentially my spiritual wisdom and understanding that he gave me, and I thought about that. You know, it says what? It says that God has prepared beforehand good works that I'm to walk in. Hello? There are good works out there that he's prepared beforehand, probably from the beginning of time. There's good works that he said, Eric Schmidt, I want you to do these things in your retirement while you've got a little more time. I've got those things. It's like they're just up there. They're just waiting, you know, for me to find out what they are. So the way to do that, like we said before, is to what? How do we get to know God's will? We pray. So I started praying. Okay, Lord, you've got these good works that you want me to do beforehand. Show them to me. Reveal them to me. Show me what they are. And then when I see them and when I understand them, help me be obedient to do them, to walk in them, essentially. So that really, uh, that really, uh, that helped me in thinking about that. And the other verse that, that came along, well, let me stop and ask you this first, as I think about Ephesians 2.10. You know, how about you, as we look into 2016? Ephesians 2.10 is not just in my Bible. I think it's in your Bible as well, <laughs> Right? I think, probably. Are you, interested, are you interested in knowing the good works that God has for you? Not only are you interested, really, is it a desire of your heart? Do you want to know what God has for you? What are the good works that he's prepared from the beginning of time for you to walk in? Is that your heart's desire? You know, I kind of see it. It's almost like we've just gone through Christmas, and Christmas at the Milkoff house was unbelievable. I mean, there's just gifts everywhere. They just kept coming and coming and coming and some really great some really great gifts but I thought you know these these good works are somewhat like that right they're prepared beforehand you know God's prepared beforehand and they're almost like packages they're like beautiful gift wrapped packages just waiting for what just waiting for us to take it and to what to open it you know we open it we take it and we open it through prayer God give me this gift this gift that you've got wrapped that you prepared before the beginning of time. Give it to me so that I can unwrap it and see what it amounts to. Well, the other related walking verse was Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. It says, look carefully how you walk, we're walking, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Uh, This became personal to me back in August. Uh, You guys blessed our family by giving Mark and Leslie a sabbatical which allowed us to travel with them to Florida. So back in August, we were in the panhandle of Florida with Mark Leslie and our granddaughters in Inlet Beach, Florida. And uh, Mark looked up this, wanted to go to church on Sunday morning, so Mark got on the, the web and he found this great little, it was an Episcopal church plant. It was a great little church, just a beautiful spirit. It reminded me, you know, a lot of, a lot of this church, you know, when it was smaller and started out. Just a, a wonderful spirit and a, and a neat pastor. And part of the sermon verses was Ephesians uh, 5, 15, and 16. It really struck me this morning, that morning. You know, it said, make the most of your time because the days are evil. You know, and we're in this time period. It doesn't take much to see that the days are evil. I mean, we're in between mass shootings and just all the kind of craziness that goes on. And, and also, a lot of you out there are younger, but some of you are maybe approaching my age. And as you get a little older, it makes a difference too. You know, you want your life to count. It's back to this idea of you want the meaningful life. What does the rest of my life look like? So those verses really struck me that that morning. You know, make the most of time because the days are evil. Walk as wise and not unwise. 
So I started adding that to my prayer, okay? So I've been a praying Ephesians 2.10, you know, reveal the good works you have beforehand. And I said, Lord, make the most use of my time. Make the most use of my time. So you might ask, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? You know, as God reveals his will to me, you know, am I seeing that happen in my life? And I thought about that. I, I think the only comment I need to make is do you have an engineer standing before you preaching this morning? <laughs> think about that. <laughs> He's been doing some amazing things. I was actually walking out of church a week or so ago. It, it, it just, you could ask Ellen, there's just been tons of stuff. Good works, just great stuff. And I had to laugh. I honestly had to laugh. I walked out, I was laughing. I said, Lord, you are making the best use of my time. This is really, really amazing. Well, anyway, so I just encourage you to consider as you walk, walk in those good works, walk wisely, make the most use of your time. You know, knowing God's will and walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is not always easy. You know, Paul prayed in verse 11, what? Right after he says, you know, walk and do all this stuff, he says, may you be what? Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You know, walking in God's will is not always easy. Opposition can arise, challenges, discouragement. You know, sometimes you jog along that path, you're walking, it's an easy run. You know, sometimes it's one foot in front of the other. Sometimes you don't even know if you could put that other foot in front of the other. You know, so it's, it's out there. And Paul says it takes endurance and patience to do that. And you know, there's sometimes when you're walking along that path and got what God's called you to do and the life path you're walking, you just get to the point and you say, what? God, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot even take that one extra step. I cannot do it. And I think about that. I think about, do you remember Paul? You remember the struggle he had with the, the thorn in his flesh? He, what, he prayed three times for God to remove it. And did God remove it? No. His answer was what? It's such a beautiful answer. He says what? My grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. If you get to the point where you say you can't do it, let me tell you, you are in a great place. You are in a great place because that's the place where God takes over. Paul realized, he said, hey, you know, if your strength is shown in my weakness, I'm going to be weak because when I'm weak, it gives you a chance to be glorified. You know, when we're weak and we realize we can't do it, Jesus said, what, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. When you're trying to do God's will, remember we said it's a spiritual thing. We can't do it without God at work in there. We cannot do it without him stepping in in our weakness, because none of us can achieve a spiritual goal. Have you ever thought about that? Most of the goals in the Christian life are spiritual in some nature, a change in heart, a change of mind, doing something. How do we do that on our own? How can you possibly do that on our own? You cannot. It's got to be the Spirit at work. So when we're weak and when we understand we can't do it, we're in a great place. We're just in the place where God wants us to be. Well, the amazing thing is that in the midst of enduring and patiently struggling to do God's will, did you see what Paul put in there? With joy. Endurance and patience with joy. That almost sounds like a non-secretor, doesn't it? Endurance and patience and joy. You know, how do endurance and patience hold hands with joy? You know, that's kind of hard to think about. Well, 
One of the things that helped me a number of years ago, we had a church retreat in St. Louis, <clears throat> and I haven't heard of much of this gentleman since then, but back then the, his name was Tim Hansel, and he was, very, he was a popular speaker at retreats and that. And his message was one of joy. He was a joy guy. He'd been through a lot of physical difficulties, and yet he chose joy. So he was speaking on joy at the retreat. And I'll never forget this. It was right before a break. And he said, okay, go on break. And when you're out there, I'd like you to think about how you would define joy. You ever thought about that? How would you define joy? And I thought about that. And as I was out there in the lobby thinking about that, this is what came to mind. It spoke to me then and it still speaks to me now. Joy is being where the Lord is at work. Joy is being where the Lord is at work. If you're in a place where God is at work, whether it's a hard time, whether it's an easy time, if it's a time that you need endurance and patience, if you're there and you see God at work, there's joy. Maybe not ha-ha joy, but joy in seeing the Lord at work. Joy in knowing that He is there. You know, there's great joy in verses 9 and 10 when we think about what? The joy of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, the joy of being fully pleasing to Him, the joy of bearing fruit in every good work, the joy in increasing in the knowledge of God. And one of the greatest reasons we can have joy is we think about walking. Walking as a Christian is a very privilege to be on the walk. What a privilege. What a privilege to be walking on the walk, to be walking on the path that God has chosen for us, to be chosen by God to put us on that path. What a blessing just to be walking for the walk. And you know, it says in the scripture, in a way, there's an interesting word. The Christians walk as somewhat like many athletic events where your team has to qualify. Remember Leslie in volleyball, they'd play in, what, pools, wasn't it, Leslie? And you had to do well in pool play to qualify, you know, to move on. So many sports are like that. You have to win enough games. You have to run fast enough. You have to jump high enough to qualify. And essentially, you have to qualify for the Christian walk as well, but it's different to be on this walk. It's not a matter of your personal performance, it's a matter of whose performance. It's God's performance. It says in verse 12, it says what? Give thanks to who? Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. It's the Father who qualifies us. You can't participate in this walk on your own. You can't set some man-made standard. You can't say, I'm going to be good enough to qualify for this race. The only way any of us qualify for the race is basically what it says in verses 13 and 14. The qualification is through the beloved Son, Jesus, right? In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. The entry fee has been prayed by Jesus. His death on the cross and our receiving that gift is the only way that we can be qualified. But it's interesting too, you know, the walk we've been talking about is not the same walk that the world walks. And by the world, I mean people and structures that ignore or deny God or who oppose God. As verse 13 suggests, the world works, walks on a path that wanders through what? It calls it a domain of darkness. The world is walking on a path that walks through a domain of darkness. The light is dim. The way is not clear. Where am I going? What am I doing? Does any of this make any sense? What's at the end of the path? How does it all end up? It's a walk through darkness, in the domain of darkness. But those who are qualified by God walk on a path that's marked by light, traveled by fellow saints. It's a path that doesn't wander through a domain of darkness, but what? It runs through the kingdom of his beloved son. The kingdom of his beloved son. 
The Christian walk is through the path of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a big difference between a domain and a kingdom. Do you get the sense in the feel of the words? There's a domain and there's a kingdom. A domain speaks of kind of bare existence. You know, you're just living. It's a domain of darkness. You're just living. But what's a kingdom speak of? Kingdom speaks of abundance and joy and glory. So there's a difference between the domain of darkness and the kingdom of his beloved son. And that path, that path through the kingdom of his beloved son, it's well lit by the counsel of God's word. The Holy Spirit serves to guide us on the way. It's a path that has a known ending. The ending is heaven. The new heavens, the new earth, glorified bodies, living eternally, God coming to dwell among men. That's where the path ends. And all who walk that path are guaranteed, are guaranteed to reach that end. Can I ask you a question this morning? Which path are you walking on? Are you walking in the domain of darkness or are you walking on the path of the kingdom of his beloved son? You know, this is an important question. Uh, as I get older and I have friends who are not believers, my heart grieves for them because the Bible says our days are numbered. You know, we have a certain number of days we live and I grieve for my friends who aren't yet walking on that path in the kingdom of his beloved son. You know, if your honest assessment this morning is, you know, I'm walking in the dark. I'm walking in the domain of darkness. And if you're at the point where you would like not to walk in that darkness anymore, I'd encourage you, turn to the Lord Jesus in whom there is redemption and forgiveness of sin. You can't get off the path by any means of your own doing. You only get off the path of darkness and onto the path of light by having God qualify you, placing your trust in Jesus alone for redemption and forgiveness of sin. I've been reflecting a lot lately on verses 9 and 10 in our passage. And I would submit to you as we think about 2016 and moving forward and walking, I would submit to you that those verses are worthy for you to consider as a life guide. As you walk the path in the kingdom of his beloved son, I would ask you to consider those verses whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're old, are these verses something that I could really hang my hat on? Could they be my North Star? Could they be the direction I had? Could they be something that makes sense out of my life? Could they be the desire of my heart? Let me personalize these two verses for you as you think about that. What if this was the ongoing cry of your heart? What if this was the ongoing cry of your heart that I would be filled with the knowledge of God's will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that I may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Could you hang your life on that? Could you hang your life on that? You know, I thought, would it be enough if a son or daughter or a friend stood at your, your funeral and said that you were someone who walked in a manner worthy of the Lord? fully pleasing to him. They bore fruit in every good work. They're always increasing in the knowledge of God. That'd be enough for me. That would be enough for me. Well, we're walking. We're walking. We're walking. We're all walking. The question is, how will you walk? Will you walk wisely and make the most of your time because the days are evil? 
Will you walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand? Will you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, all to his glory? May I pray for you. Grace Presbyterian Church, I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen.